Hello and welcome to the Pebble Hills High School English One Remote Learning Podcast. I guess that's the name we're going to stick with. We we have to by now. That's already three episodes. That's, yeah, it's three it episodes in. Yeah. Uh, my name is Mr. Munden, and as always, I'm joined with... I am Chris Cortez. Cortez... You went. You went first and last name now. Okay. Cool. I know. I don't. I don't know. I... <laughs> yeah. That I was going to do that, and then I was like, nope. I, it's still too weird to like say my first name in one of these. But you went ahead I'm and just, broke the ice there. All right. I I am because I'm just saying. You know what? This is. I'm making it more like radio now. Like okay, the actual radio, podcast. Okay. okay. Like um, the actual podcast. Like I'm an actual host. Oh, hey, yeah, no, well, like, I, I, it makes me feel like I'm not a host now, because you said no, you're No, that's actual. all right. Okay. No, that's all, all right. right. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Cor- Cortez, that's very strange. Let's say, Chris, what have you been up to? Um, not much, not much. Um, Onward came out on uh, Disney+, Plus, uh, so I checked that out. Um, but other than that, we're just waiting on some push-ups on Twitter, Mm-hmm. And uh, just trying to keep busy. Just trying to okay. keep it. I keep telling myself, like, I'm going to start or I'm going to finish um, a couple of books that I had started. But I, this, it's just not happening right now. Yeah, I have, like, a stack of books right next to my, like, on my nightstand. That I'm trying to, like, if I finish this stack of, they're probably, it's a probably, like, eh, like, 13 books. And I was trying to do, like, a book a week. Uh, that did not. Uh, I, I stuck with it for a little bit, and then yeah. I fell off. So I'm like two week, two books behind my record. I used um, use this uh, use this app called Goodreads to like keep track. Uh, uh-huh. I have a friend who lives in California. He has like a goal of seventy books. He's already on like twenty three in this year. Uh, so, <laughs> wow. Yeah, he. Uh, he's he's actually going to school for library science, so it makes sense. Yeah, that does that. That's too brave. Even your 13, 13 novels is a that's a crazy goal. I'd rather just say like I'm gonna do thirteen movies right now. Oh, okay. And then we'll go from there. But yeah, I I need to I need to man. But it's just I haven't gotten in the mood. I guess it's kind of like drawing for me. Like if I don't feel like drawing, I'm just not gonna draw. But okay. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to force myself. Uh, eventually anything yeah. what, what's on your list what's in your what's on your 13 book list uh okay anything, well the book worthwhile? i'm currently reading um is this one called weather it's by jenny ophill it's it's it came out this year uh that is the lamest title for it a is book. an incredibly <laughs> lame uh but the thing is okay it's about this um this uh, the book that the author is known for is called uh, Department of Speculation. It's basically like a relationship book, not like a book about relationships. It's about like a husband and wife, how they met, how something goes wrong, and right. uh, it's basically like a character kind of getting more and more independent. This is about right. a uh, and they're all they all seem semi autobiographical about from what I've. Uh, like researched about the author but mm-hmm. she uh, has a friend with a podcast so hey you know it's it's hey, kind well, of a, there you go, yeah, there you go. Uh, but the <laughs> podcast is about um like different like environmental things so it's about like oh. it starts going into uh Hence the name weather 
Yes, it's about like this character, like all the people who listen to the podcast are getting more and more scared about some like an impending doom. Uh, mm. And then she starts getting confronted with this because she starts working for her friend answering emails and she's right. starting to get stressed out about that and her life just keeps going. So it mm. is, uh, right now going through everything that's happening, it's not the easiest read because it's just about like this person thinking about like something bad might happen. And I'm like, hmm. This was published in, oh, the first week of March. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, and then every day we wake up, it's all like the number is up to 96, and now it's 113, and now it's, yeah. I don't know, 125. And yeah, don't read that book. Yeah, no, and like, I'm, it's only, it's a pretty short book. It's like 200 pages. I'm right. a quarter of the way through. So I'm at the point where I feel like I can't just stop reading it. Uh, but I also don't really want to keep reading it, so I'm at a weird crossroads as I figure out what I'm going to do. You're you're gonna have to read like a Sesame Street book or like Clifford Big Red Dog or something right after, so that you're not super depressed yeah. after you finish that book. Um, I have the books that are next to my bed. Uh, mm -hmm. They're all miserable. They're all miserable. Uh, <laughs> I have I have The Outsider there because the whole HBO show, the Stephen King book. Um, mm -hmm. I also have, uh, yeah, none of them are happy. I'm not gonna read, I'm not gonna select, like name any of these, so uh, students won't I, read these. <laughs> have you started to watch that show? I, I saw the trailer to it after um, like Watchmen was, was coming out and I saw like the, the previews to it and I thought it looked like an interesting show. I just never, I never got into it. And I think it's like almost done. With I, think it's, I think it's one. finished. I think it oh, wait, did it finish. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, did yeah, you watch it? I, I watched, I think the first half of the first epi episode, I was watching it with a friend of probably around the time it had first come out. Uh, mm. And just the subject matter at the time, I didn't really want to uh, keep mm. watching it at the time. And I'm like, I'm not really in the mood to uh, to watch this, it's about a, uh, like, they find, like, a corpse of a small child. Like a little boy, right? Yeah, and the, it goes into, basically, the detective who is on the case also lost his son at a young age, mm. and it's, like, a, uh, this mythical creature is basically uh, posing as someone, and to get into the society, and they kill, and they're, like, killing children. Um right. And I'm just not, it wasn't, I wasn't in the mood to watch that. <laughs> and I don't think I'm in the mood to watch it right now. And I don't know why I have that book next to my bed. I'm going to probably just go ahead and burn the book at this point. We're going to wait, we're going to wait for happier times to get to those books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, you know what, let's not read this right now. Yeah, yeah. Is that a segue to our uh, our topic, our our favorite novels, or some of our favorite novels? Yeah, yeah, that's a say? that's a segue we can do. I feel like right now with my ceiling fan lights, I feel like I'm in a J.J. Abrams movie with like the lens flare right. Dude, in front you of do me. have some mad flare going on right there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like right now I'm like, oh, okay, this is like a this is a Star Trek reboot movie right it now. Is. There's some flare going on, like a. Uh... Um, in the documentary where, like, uh, where he was making Star Trek, um, I remember I just thought it was funny because when you're watching his, like, his breakdown of, like, every scene, he was like, and right here we needed some more flair. Like, you have the perfect amount of, of flair going on in that background. Okay. If you don't know what we're talking about, watch the reboot of Star Trek. 
and you'll notice all the annoying flashing lights. Like that was done on purpose. Like uh, he, you went, can notice he the, went out of his way to do it. Like it's weird because the first one I didn't notice until I rewatched it. And then Star Trek Into Darkness, that one's just like, oh, this entire movie is lens flare. Okay. You didn't notice it the first time? Uh, no, well, I mean, I was like, uh, that movie came out, I think when I was like 13, oh, shut 14, up. something like that. Shut I, like, up. It, no, it you didn't, weren't. It came no, out, like, you weren't. It came out like in 2005 or something like that, right? Star or no. Trek? No, it was no. actually later. It had to be like 2000 and... It's like 2011. It had to be like 2012. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I was like 21. I, it wasn't. It's something I just, I just... I enjoyed that movie too much. And then the second movie, I just... That one, I just kind really? of... Really? No, I you like You didn't it. like the... You didn't like the second one? Uh, fun fact, and we're going to spoil a 10-year-old not a 10 year we just went over this like an eight-year-old movie for a second there's not even there's no spoilers right now like they're okay. listening they're hooked on they're okay. they're in it for the ride uh in star trek into darkness they yeah. a lot for and it's written it was co-written by one of like my favorite writers uh damon uh-huh. lindelof who also co-created uh the show lost he also uh co-created the show leftovers watchmen basically like everything that i'm a fan of like i literally have an entire arm of tattoos to the guy's creations which we talked about the last time i honestly didn't know he wrote or co-wrote it i thought it was just jj abrams yeah no it was for uh the second one he was a co-writer i think it was like also forgot who else was also serving on but he was one of the primary writers on it right um so they did this huge thing about like everyone thought that this character that Benedict Cumberbatch, who is Doctor right. Strange, uh, right. was uh, was Khan. I nearly said Zod right now. That was even weirder. But I, uh, <laughs> um, they kept thinking all the internet like online nerds. Right, 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 like, right, right, right. This guy has to be Khan. And then uh, they're like they went out of their way to be like, no, it's this new guy named John Harrison. Um, yeah. And we're like, okay. Uh, Anyway, spoiler alert, it was Khan. Uh, but before that, before I was able to watch the movie, so this was the Thursday night, I was going to Friends to the Thursday night, like 8 p.m. premiere of the movie. Right. A coworker right. at the time I was working at Apple, a coworker walked into the break room and announced, I knew it, it's Khan. <laughs> no one, no one has seen the movie at this point. He did not right. see the movie. I did not see the movie, and he just said it to only me. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. And, and then just... like punch him, dude. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot stand. Like you can like insult me and you whatever, but like as soon as like people ruin like movies that I really want to see, oh, like I just, I get so frustrated. Yeah, and like the thing is like. In the movie, it's actually a bad twist because when he says, my name is, and he says like the first name, I cannot remember it right now. He's like, Khan. And the audience knows that that matters, but the mm-hmm. characters do not. So the way the movie plays it is like this big reveal, but I'm like, these, like both Kirk and Spock have no connection to this name. It's, it's nothing in this movie. But, so why are you playing it like a big thing? But you didn't like the fact that they don't know who that is because they're from a timeline where they don't know who that is. Like, and, well, like I thought I, that was clever. I like that they go and um, they go and like ask uh, original like Spock Prime about it. But yeah, the way that yeah, scene yeah. is revealed, like him saying, "I am Khan." Like there is like it's like Benedict Cumberbatch, the actor, is aware of the twist. No one else right. is aware of the twist. Uh, right. It's the same thing that happened. Um, 
again, spoilers, but this movie's old and it's not, and actually it's a bad movie, so you can skip it. Uh, Spectre, the last James Bond movie. Did, yeah. you, did you see it? Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I like James Bond movies. I, I, I love to like that. I like that movie. You, okay. Um, I feel like we're going to, I feel like we're going to like skip the books <laughs> and we're just going to go. It's we my, need to pause my, right here. My, my last, my last example of a twist that doesn't work well. So okay, fine, in, in early, in early James Bond, cause this is actually, this is the same thing as Into Darkness, but it just doesn't work because um, in early James Bond movies, like uh, yes. the, like the last, uh, Sean, like last two Sean Connery, most of Roger Moore, there's this, um, uh, uh, important bad guy named Ernest. There's a middle name, Blofe uh, Blofeld. Right. Yeah. Okay. Blofeld. So, Blo yeah. Some Blofeld, Blo Blofeld, something like that. Yes. So yeah. they they introduced this character in Spectre mm -hmm. that everyone was also on the internet like, oh, uh, Christoph Waltz is clearly playing that one, and they're like, no, he's not. He's playing a different character, and right. we're like, okay, I guess, I guess if you say it, and then at the end, or there's a scene where. Uh, he's like, my name is Ernest Salvo Blofeld. And, and he's saying it to James Bond, and James Bond doesn't know who this character is. No one in the room knows who this character is, but they play it like this huge reveal, and I'm like, cool. This isn't even like an alternate timeline of James Bond, I mean, so it's not like that. I mean, but what would, you, what, would you have, like, what would you have movie producers and directors do, like admit, like, Yes, that was Khan, and yes, we're gonna put like the most diabolical James Bond villain in the next like, Bond. But I think like it's okay with just saying like that's a character's name. That's like you, we don't know what's gonna happen in the character. But if they put so much emphasis on this twist, and so many people have like, oh yeah, that's obviously what they're going to do. They're like, no, 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 you didn't guess it right. It's not that. And then they're like, oh no, actually, it was this. It's kind of a cheap. Do you like, think that's a product of our time, though? Like, it's not so much that it's an emphasis for the producers. It's an emphasis for people who can't, we can't have, like, like self-control. And we, we want gratification now. You know what I mean? Like, when a movie is barely being written and we find out who's in it, we want to know automatically, well, who's this character and what? Like, what happened to the good old days where we just saw the preview? And just waited without all the theories, without all the guessing. Like now with the internet, now with social media, there's this, there's the, the, the audience's push to want to know stuff. So I think it's, I think it's, they're trying to keep that element of surprise. Um, but I think it's just hard when you're making a movie with, you know, hundreds of people, you know, on the production side of it. But I think, I think you're thinking too much of it in that way. Like, Oh, they they made a big deal about not revealing a character. It's like, well, sometimes I think even if like you're thinking about anything like art, like an artist isn't gonna show you periodically. Okay, I'm on this stage of this painting and whatever. Like they want the big reveal when the whole thing is said and done. So you're wrong. Okay, all right, I'll I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, like a small tangent because you're talking about how like you wish that people could just like see a trailer and. Just right. like, oh, I'm gonna go see that movie. Uh, right. this, and this is the last tangent before we get into our topic, I hope. Um, mm -hmm. And if like you're looking at your like app or the YouTube website and it shows that this is, there's only like five minutes on the recording, we did not, I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> like, uh, the, so like, okay, I, Dark Knight. 
Right. I, that movie came out when I was 18. So it was this big movie. I was looking forward to it. And I love that movie. So this isn't like a mo the movie I'm going to say, like, unlike you, uh, Cortez, I hate it or something. Um, right, right, right. So there's a scene where they play, there's like kind of a, a twist where Commissioner Gordon appears to have been shot to death in like the right. middle of this like uh, press conference. Mm -hmm. And me, a nerd who has like analyzed the trailers multiple times, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, no, Commissioner Gordon is in a, tr in a scene in the trailer that hasn't appeared yet. He's in the scene in the jail saying like, we found this guy, has no known mm -hmm. aliases, his like uh, pockets are filled with knives. And I'm like, so right. that means that Commissioner Gordon's not dead yet. And I feel like I kind of ruined that that uh, well, surprise in the movie for me. That, that might have just been your nerdism, just making the connections. But also, trailers have been known to add in scenes to throw people off. Like Avengers was the, did that. Yeah, like Avengers did the whole thing with that too. Um, the Dark Knight trilogy, they did the same thing where uh, whatever, um, what's her name? Um, Mariana. Oh, uh, Talia Al Ghul. Yeah, she's from Talia Al Ghul. Yeah, she's supposed to be like everyone's like thinking like, oh, she's gonna be Talia. Like, and then they did the same thing. No, she's not. She's playing some other CEO of another company. And that reveal was like pretty cool when you're like, oh, I knew it. She's the backstabbing Rajal Ghul's daughter. Like, I, I just worked. wish that twist didn't happen in like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Like, it, it would have been better Dude, as. But it, but it worked. And then if you think about it, because that movie in itself is what like, over 10 years old now, over 15 years old. It wasn't, you know, the amount of social media that we have now. So I think the directors were kind of like, this is who she's playing. And then that's all I remember about it. Like everybody was like, oh, they were just kind of hopeful, but there wasn't like this push of constant questioning. Yeah. But I don't know, that's just me. Well, um, I'm trying to, trying to figure <laughs> out a segue. There uh, is no segue. Let's, there is let's no segue. Let's jump right into it. All right. So the topic for today um, right. are novels. You're reading uh -huh. one. Uh, we talked about novels so far a few times in this episode. Uh, right. So, um, uh, Cortez, did you always have a love of reading books or did it just happen at some point? It, I've always been honest with my students. I did not enjoy my English classes very much. It wasn't until I got into um, high school uh, where uh, I guess when you when you see that some of the novels have murder and you know controversial topics, that's when I really got into into reading. The first novel that really um, you know sparked my interest in reading is um, like a murder mystery novel, and then there were none. Okay. Um, so that really got, that really got me interested in it. But I think, I don't know, I, I can't say that it was, I had bad middle school English teachers because I actually love, um, uh, my, my English teachers at the time, but I can't really remember sitting down and like actually reading a novel. What I do remember, even this, this is true in college, um, some of my favorite novels and the best time in, in my English classes were always when I felt like the teacher loved the story. Okay. When that comes across, I felt like I can take like a novel and, you know, I had a stack. I'm only going to even, I'm only going to talk about one of them because we're, we're pushing it on the time because of the movies. 
But like I told my students, like most people will say like Moby Dick is, you know, it's a really long read and, you know, tiny little words in there. But most people would say like, this is a boring book, but I guess the professor I had who just loved that novel, I, I remember being fond of reading the novel. So um, any of the stories that I, I, I pick are, are always usually, um, you know, somebody was, was teaching it to me, but they, they had like a fondness for it. So um, other than Fahrenheit 451, that's, that's pretty much like the only novel on my list here. Oh, and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, so I guess I just have four novels. Um, well, half of them, you know, I read on my own and then the other half, um, you know, they were from like a class that I had to take. Okay. What about you? What was, what um, was your experience with reading? So, okay. In elementary school, I, I got really, oh, you're going back to, uh, you're going back to because, elementary. Because this, uh, because the thing in here, okay. I read Harry Potter in fifth grade. Uh, my teacher, right. Miss Whitaker read the Sorcerer's Stone to all of us and yeah. I loved it. I like at the time, uh, like they had like the store marshals, like it's still around, but like I would like I would right. go with my mom and they had like the paperback books there. So the and the I think the first three were in paperback at that point. So uh mm -hmm. bought all of them, uh would mm -hmm. follow along when my teacher was reading the book. The first one, I, I it was like news to me that Professor Snape was pronounced Professor Snape because I heard snake the entire time. So when I had mm -hmm. the book, I'm like, oh, it's Snape. Um, <laughs> but I got really into Harry Potter to the point that I read those first four books a crazy amount of times. I had a like some nerdy uh, section in the elementary school newspaper where I'd write about like Harry Potter stuff. But in middle school, I like- Of course you did. Yes, I did. Of yes, course. of course, yeah. <laughs> in middle school, I actually, like, uh, I got into The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, uh, right. but I don't think I actually cared a lot about the books that, like, they would want us to read. Like, I think Hobbit was one of the books that we read, but most of the stuff, mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, right. In high school, I didn't really get into most of the things like we were reading like animal farm romeo and juliet the stuff that we we're reading this year but mm -hmm. i felt like my teacher was actually kind of a, like a roadblock to me to get into it because the way that he would try to engage the class was a whole lot of notes like the most notes that like i found out stuff about william shakespeare that i don't think anyone cares about like it was it was so <laughs> detailed it was like when right. romeo like when like william william shakespeare used the restroom on this day i'm like okay who cares nice. um, right right and my senior year level english class actually well i graduated high school in 3 years humble brag uh <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Mundan. Okay. Uh, so we I took, get it. We get it. I took You're English. Smart. <laughs> I took English three and four at the same time. So that year was when I got uh, American literature and British lit. I got to read The Great Gatsby, which I love. I got to read Slaughterhouse Five, which is my favorite book. That is the book that I adore. I whenever right. I read it, it's like I have never felt like an author understood me more than Kurt Vonnegut reading like the weird way he would he would occasionally put himself in the book and mm -hmm. he would become a character but it wasn't in like mm -hmm. 
in this like awkward way that's like Stephen King did that with the Dark Tower books and it's really annoying. It's more that Kurt Vonnegut is becoming kind of like a critic in his book where he's commenting on the things happening in, in it. He becomes a character, but then he like steps back to explain what's going on. Um, nice. I that's am, kind of funny that that's that well just to go back to your Harry Potter moment, my sixth grade teacher, Miss Lorio, um, from Fabin's middle school, she read us the Sorcerer's Stone, but in my non-nerdiness, I was just like, this book is amazing because she read it to me. And then we waited, like this was like when they were barely casting like the, the people to do the, the movie. Then when the movies, when I knew that there were going to be movies coming out, I was like, I'll just wait for the movies. <laughs> so that's, I love Harry Potter too, but I don't know, like this, like I said, it, there has to be a book that really draws my attention and then, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of it. Are you going to, are we breaking down Slaughterhouse-Five today or would, which one are you picking for your I was actually novel? going, I was going to talk about, because I, like, while I'd love to talk about Slaughterhouse-Five, that is a little, uh, I wouldn't recommend, like, necessarily freshmen read it. It's just a, uh, I think it's usually it's I think it's read during junior year. Uh, mm. It is like um, I would build up to it. Like I love Kurt Vonnegut. Like there's like Sirens of Titan, Cat's Cradle, uh, Breakfast of Champion. They're all great books. I have his uh -huh. entire collection. I've read everything. Um, mm -hmm. What I actually wanted to talk about today, because our classes, English one classes, reading The Hobbit, but they're reading a graphic novel. Uh, right. Talking about some graphic novels that I would maybe recommend, depending on what they're into. Okay. Time-wise, what are we doing? Are we doing one novel each, or what did what did you want? How do you want to um, this? I would like you brought. You said you, you brought like four of them. Yeah, but I'll, I'll probably just pick one or two. I won't. I won't do the whole thing. Uh, I can. I can probably. I can break them up into into like two, um, mm. because one of them kind of can go easier together but i'll talk about a total of three books but uh two of those are sharing time right right okay uh do, okay i want to okay so no, uh i want to listen to yours first okay all right okay so there's this series of books it's become a movie it's one of my favorite movies uh it is uh scott pilgrim it is a graphic novel did you do you feel like that? Do you not like Scott Pilgrim? Okay, I I'm... I, I can't oh, I can't with that movie. I just I can't. It bothers me. It's annoying. I like um uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Sarah is that mm -hmm. his name? Yeah, Michael Sarah. Yeah. I like I like Michael Sarah. I like the actors in it, but for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's just. If it's just me, but be because everyone kind of like it's like known as like this indie, like everyone loves this movie. I don't know that's if that's what bothers me the most, because I've been told before like you would love this movie, and I'm like I've seen it, and I'm not a fan. But well, okay. At the same time, I saw it when I was I was what like sixteen, seventeen when it came okay. out. I think somewhere around that time. I'll try it again eventually. Okay. But I honestly. I didn't know it was based off of a graphic novel until like a few years ago. Yes, it is. It's a series of six graphic novels. So yeah, uh, the book. Is I should called, check those out. 
the 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 movie is called Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's actually, I believe, the third volume. So the first really? one is Scott Pilgrim's mm-hmm. Precious Little Life. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about it that I wanted to bring up is that uh, where in, if you've been following along in the Neuropod, uh, there's a, I make a couple allusions to other fantasy books or journey, hero's journey books. So I talk, right. there's a slide about um, the Odyssey and there's a slide about the once and future king. Um, mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim makes allusions to video games. So there are uh, references to Zelda, uh, mm-hmm. Mario. Uh, nice. there's, there's different references throughout it. And right. if you don't get the reference, it's not going to destroy your ability to like the graphic novel or the movie. It's just like if you're watching a movie, you're like, hey, that's some music from Zelda. Or when you watch or you're reading the book, you're like, oh, you're, he's fighting a shadow version of himself. That is Legend but, of Zelda. Right. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. like when I was trying to explain like references and the importance of references um, in class, I was telling my students like they're like inside jokes. Like you feel like you're more embedded into what's happening when you understand the reference. So like how you're saying, you know, you know, you love the video games. So of course a graphic novel that also references the things that you're interested in, it's just going to make the experience of reading it all, you know, that much better. Yeah. And if you haven't, you know, I haven't read the novels, um, but I've saw, I've seen the movie and I knew right away, like, Oh, they're referencing video games right there. You know, the little sound effects or the rings and, stuff from Sonic or, you know, I, I could tell those things, even though I hadn't read the graphic novels, but you feel like you're part of like an inside joke if you get the reference. But yeah, no, ahead, and, sorry. and it, and no, it, it just makes like, it makes it more fulfilling because also you get to kind of understand that uh, Brian Leo Malley, the guy who uh, wrote Scott Pilgrim, like you kind of feel like a connection to him because like, oh, he likes the same stuff that I do. The same way when the movie came out, Edgar Wright was talking about like showing the movie to Miyamoto, the guy who created Zelda, Mario, all like right. Nintendo stuff. And like he, he had to get his blessing first. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, these guys are also nerds. And you kind of feel like, okay, I want to see what like what I took away from the the book, from the movie, especially because the movie came out right when the last I think the last volume was coming out. So mm-hmm. he basically just talked to the author and, and asked him like, hey, so what is the, like, how is the conclusion going to be? And, mm-hmm. the, and, he, and Brian Lee O'Malley told Edgar Wright, like, yeah, this is what some of the stuff that's going to happen. But if you read right. the graphic novels, you're getting a very different, uh, kind of a, a little bit bleaker ending to the, uh, to the series where the uh, movie's pretty happy where this is like, oh, okay. Like this character's having to grow up and he's, he is going on a hero's journey like the characters in The Hobbit. He is having to right. grow up and mature. Right. So can you give us the spoiler? Does he end up with, what's her name? Like I, This is going to be really happen? embarrassing. I read these. You haven't read it. No, 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 no. I have, I literally have them all right here. Hold on. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. What's her name that he's all into? Uh, Ramona uh, Flowers. Ramona so I, Flowers. I have all six of them. They're right here. I, uh-huh. Like, I was doing, like, a mad rush to read all of them. I actually cannot remember this one at all. I cannot remember the last book. Because everything else, everything else pretty much follows the movie. The last mm-hmm. one is very different. And that's why I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't remember this story at all. 
So right. I might do that. That might be a happier read than weather. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> All right. So My what's turn? your first? Yeah, yeah, what's your book? Well, and and thinking about and again, um, I've talked to the kids about Fahrenheit 451. Um, they made a very terrible version of a movie um, last year. My kids last year loved it. I I want to talk about it. It is my favorite novel, but I kind of want to save it. I'm I'm trying to think about maybe uh, starting like another Edmodo group or something. So if a, a group of kids want to read it along with me, like I. I really want to get into it, but the one I'll, I'll pick right now, um, again, made into like a very sappy, girly movie. Um, the novel's Atonement. Okay. Um, the reason why I picked Atonement was in thinking about The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, you know, the, these, these stories that go on for many, 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 many years. Um, those are kind of my favorite um, kind of stories as well. We, we talked about Moby Dick. You talked about um, the Odyssey. Um, there, there are a few novels that, like I, I, I like how you said um, when they reference something. Um, I was really debating on on bringing up White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Um, that novel brings up some of my favorite movies. Um, they uh, they reference Goodfellas, but in looking at a, a Atonement, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it, it's considered to be a postmodern novel. So it, it plays, so, yeah. <laughs> it plays under, it, it plays with like the conventions of like the hero's journey. But the biggest thing I liked about it, and you don't really find this out till, till the very end. Um, it's, it's the idea of our questionable narrator. Um, so long story short, and I, I don't want to really ruin it. The, the title of the book is like the central idea of the book. And, and it, it gets interesting because some of the themes that the author is trying to present is the idea of like choice. Like we make choices every day and, um, and going with, uh, you know, making connections to, um, you know, the, the notes that we took on the hero's journey, putting yourself in certain situations. I can remember times where I was like young and, you know, you make questionable decisions. Well, in this novel, uh, this this uh this narrator of ours makes a choice and again like i said i don't i don't really want to spoil this one because eventually i'm hoping either they read the novel or they they watch the movie which is again they make it very romantic but in the novel they kind of downplay that a little bit but i like i like the idea of like this mistake that you can make as a child affecting the rest of your life our narrator goes through this choice that she makes and as she grows up she becomes a nurse and part of being a nurse and you know her her service um uh during the war is trying to make up for the things that she did when she was a child and and at the end it's it's this big wrap-up uh uh of her regret so i think that that was um pretty interesting again it would be something I should have done it. I should have paired it with uh, Romeo and Juliet because you have the idea of, of tragic lovers. So you have those archetypes of the tragic hero, um, not, not necessarily the narrator, but another character, another main character of the book. Um, it, it does break, uh, you know, the fourth wall. So the, the conventions of writing, uh, the, the author, or not the author, I'm sorry, the narrator 
puts themselves in the story. Um, and I thought that was always, uh, always interesting. Um, but it, in, in all fairness, I like the idea of like the coming of age stuff. Cause there's a lot of things that I, that I think about, um, you know, growing up where not so much like the decisions I made, but the decisions like even that my parents made, um, both of my parents, um, well, they're divorced. They divorced when I was, um, 13, but they started having problems even before that. So I thought, I think it's interesting because if I think about my life, kind of like the way, you know, the narrator of the story does the simple choice of coming back to the United States. I used to live in Germany. My dad was in the military and I lived in Kitzigan, Germany. Like how different would my life be right now? had my parents not decided, well, for one, it, it wasn't like a decision for both of them. My dad had a terrible accident and he was medically discharged uh, from the military. He couldn't perform his duties anymore. Um, so instead of, of staying from Germany, we moved to New York. Um, so I lived in Watertown, New York, and then we came back to El Paso. So I always thought it was interesting when, when I finished this book, thinking about how this narrator looks at all of these little life choices, but then there's like this bigger impact. So, you know, I, that's why I picked this novel because okay. it's something I related to when I read it, like how you said Slaughterhouse-Five, like you felt like the, the author was, um, I guess, speaking, speaking about your life yeah. or directly, you know, relatable. After I read this book, I was just always like, I asked my mom like a thousand questions, like, did you really have to get divorced? And, you know, how did that accident happen? Like, you know, could he have avoided it? Would he have not been medically, you know, medically discharged? Would we, would I still be living in Germany or New York or Washington or wherever? And it's all those little things. And it's a buildup to, you know, what I am right now and what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's a simple, yeah. it's a simple little choice, but um, that's what I loved about this book. It's, it's not my favorite but it definitely has like this epic journey that this narrator um, takes us on. So that that's the book I, I felt uh, related really uh, well with the notes that we took. Uh, like funny story, just uh, like uh, on atonement. I, right. like, I think it was like for, like I, it was whenever the movie came out on DVD, I bought uh -huh. that movie for my mom's birthday. Cause she watched it, and based on all of the like the ads for it, I'm like, oh, that's like a romantic movie. My mom's likes the romantic movies. And then when right. I gave it to her, she's like, you know, this is like the most depressing movie you could have given me. I'm like, oh, I did not know that at all. <laughs> it is. Let me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that the 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 movie really plays up the idea of like the romance, but the book is is way more depressing. Like I remember, I I finished it, and like I said. The book leads up to this one big kind of like twist that this this narrator has been trying to fix the things that she did when she was a child. And then it gets to this part where it like this big reveal and you finish the book and you're like, I I I want to relive life. Like you <laughs> you want to go back to like little mistakes. And I'm sure you can think of like things that, you know, maybe not a you know an you know, impacted somebody's life, but you made a mistake and it, it changed the way you were, your life was going at the time. And like, what are you like 28, 29? 29. Yeah. 29. 29. Yeah. 
So, I mean, you live, you've lived long enough to know that these little instances that we think are like, you know, they're harmless as kids, but they can take you in a path that, that's completely different. But like I said, the movie, it's, it's okay. Um, I think it's, I think it's rated R cause there's a, yeah, there's, it's a rated couple R. Of, yeah. there's a couple of mature and uh, mature themes that happen like towards the beginning. Um, but that's part of like the thing, basically it, ro- it also revolves around um, like a pedophile. Like that's the mistake that happens. There's this incident incident where the narrator um, isn't sure what she they sees saw. What, yeah. yeah, what she sees. So it, it plays on that. And like I said, when I was younger, like I thought, you know, I didn't know that Shakespeare had dirty jokes in it because the people teaching it to me didn't, you know, you don't, you, you don't say those things. But as soon as I find out, like there's murder, there's the you know, topics of, you know, um, all these controversial stuff, like I'm, I'm allowed to read this, like the big old thing in the catcher of the rye or catcher in the rye is the dude cusses every now and then. So like, oh, it was banned because it cusses. Like we can read books that cuss. Like, of course, as a as a young person, you're going to be drawn to to those and kinds of novels. That was actually for Slaughterhouse-Five. It was like one of the first books with the F word in it. And that's why it was burned in like school furnaces. Oh, was it? Yeah. So I'm like, how, long oh. ago, how, long, how long ago was that? Uh, that came out in like, 1968, I believe. Really? Yeah. 68? Well, Atonement was uh, 2001, I believe. Early 2000s. So, okay. um, but yeah, that's... It's a depressing, it's a depressing, it's a depressing book. Um, well, let's see, let's see how long we've been going for. I think we have time for our last suggestions and then we'll, or last recommendations of our, some books we like, and then we'll sign off for this okay. episode. Really quick, you were mentioning like, uh, kind of like thinking about the road not traveled. Um, I was going to bring up two graphic novels, but I'm just going to bring up this one really quick. So this mm-hmm. is uh, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, mm-hmm. It is in the '80s, basically. Um, the, uh, Batman's sidekick, Robin. Uh, he, this was uh, Robin, who was uh, at the time it was his character named Jason Todd. Uh, right. Everyone didn't really like Jason Todd, so DC decided to like, you know, what? we're gonna let people vote. Uh, Joker kidnapped Jason Todd in one of these uh, issues and basically if you vote for him to die he will die if you vote for him to stay to be rescued he'll be rescued right um, apparently uh, there's this was revealed not too long ago that someone like basically bought like a telephone machine and they were basically ca- calling like every minute to vote for Jason really? Todd to die so anyway really? Jason Todd was killed off in the Batman uh, right pretty terribly too yeah no it was like he was like beaten with like a crowbar like sledge- by the joke like a sledgehammer no like the big was a crowbar mallet. was it i just, and then, well then I the house the blows up is, yeah he's like all mangled <laughs> and then the whole house blows up or the warehouse or something yeah um so um so this graphic novel the dark knight returns it was written by frank miller who mm-hmm. frank miller uh Sin City. Yeah, he uh, he's uh, he's kind of uh, kind of a crazy person now. I don't want to use a, the, that term, but uh, if you read any of the stuff recently, it's fairly uh, graphic with no point why it's this graphic. But uh, that's a conversation for another uh, day. Anyway, uh-huh. but he made Dark Knight Returns, which is basically 
what if Batman, after Jason Todd died, after he, he arrest, gets Joker arrested for this murder, what if he uh-huh. just retired and he just couldn't take it anymore? And he lives in this uh, depression based on that his actions led to Robin being killed. And uh, it's set during this heat wave in Gotham and just things are keep going wrong, keep going wrong. And he just keeps having these bad flashbacks to what happened to his parents, what happened in the past. And then he finally can't take it anymore because the city's starting to get overrun with crime and he's not doing anything. And he mm-hmm. basically becomes Batman again. And it's about all of the, the problems that causes one in Gotham and what happens when the government doesn't really want someone like Batman in it. So right. him coming out of retirement causes Joker, who has also who has been in an insane asylum, uh, catatonic, mm-hmm. to wake up, and he uh, basically starts his revenge. Uh, Harvey Dent is cured for a while. He goes back to going crazy, and there's a, and Batman basically has to take on this gang called the Mutants, and it all leads up to basically Batman and Superman fighting at the end because of what each of them now represent. Nice. And like, I know the, the only thing I know about the graphic novel from Frank Miller was like, it was the, it was more of, they used that material, Christopher Nolan, right? Like Christopher Nolan used more of his text. Yeah, his like the tone. Of the Batman. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's well, the only like, thing I know about that one. Really like Frank Miller kind of pushed Batman to the darker one, stuff that we have now. So right. uh, he did Batman year one. He did uh, Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Strikes Back. And he uh, his style uh, influenced Tim Burton because uh, the first Batman movie came out like a year or two after Frank Miller's writings. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, the people that want uh, Batman to be as dark as possible, that's Frank Miller's responsible for that. So there's, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, don't read Frank Miller's <laughs> take on Batman. <laughs> right. Because before Batman was like this kind of like cheesy, I mean, he was like the Adam West kind of version of Batman. Like, yes, he, he was, was this cheesy de- detective and... It was a little, it was campier. Uh, the Joker yeah. was more of like a, like an awkward comedian that would just like kidnap people and like have like strange, like strange elaborate plans that would go nowhere. Right. Um, and Batman would have weird catchphrases too, didn't he? Like he had yeah, a helicopter. It was, yeah, like the, yeah. Like, they, he had a scooter, I think, or something like that. Like he had weird gadgets. Yeah, he was a. Uh, it was a different take on him. Uh, if you if you're curious and want to read something real, like if you really love uh, Tim Burton Batman, the one of Jack Nicholson as a Joker, right. Uh, right. the creator of one of the creators of Batman, Bob Kane, apparently wrote a script treatment mm. he, for when before that movie came out, and that movie is right. completely bananas. The like that's online. Someone like did a summary of everything in that script. It is the weirdest thing you'll read. Like this, like, I kind <laughs> of want to see that movie just like as a cart like you just make it as an animated cartoon because it's completely bananas the things going on in that movie i'm like oh i would i would definitely pay all the money to watch this right now but it because it's that bad yeah it's just it's very weird it's like uh oh. I, I think it's like involves like catwoman becoming brainwashed uh bob kane uh, turns out uh 
Uh, some of his views were a little like Frank <laughs> Miller today. Uh, <laughs> right. So uh, it is worth a laugh to go read that because it's very, very strange stuff. Nice. Nice. So your final book um, for the episode? I I really wanted to save it, but I mean, I'm going to try to sell Fahrenheit 451 as best as I can. The thing that I'll say about... Um, uh, Moby Dick and um, Herman Melville. Um, again, uh, when when they're seniors, they'll do the American literature. I don't know if their teacher will go over this, but a uh, great book about obsession, I would say. Um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Steve uh, Larson. Um, interesting thing about him was uh, before he became uh, an author, uh, he was actually a journalist and he witnessed like a terrible rape when when he was younger. And always kind of like felt like, and again, kind of going with like the atonement thing was, I guess, trying to feel, um, I guess either the story he, he knew about somebody or he actually witnessed it. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it's been a while since I've read it, but basically you have kind of this character who in her, in his book is, is basically, um, you know, is raped, but then kind of becomes like a superhero kind of hacker. Yeah, she, yeah, um, yeah. So there's that, but I'm going to go into just a little bit about Ray Bradbury and Fahrenheit 451. Uh, Ray Bradbury was really concerned about what technology was going to do um, to humans. Um, in Fahrenheit 451, I think it's, what I like about it is when, I, when, I, when I'm teaching it to the kids, I'm, I'm telling them he wrote in a time where they didn't have um airpods they didn't have headphones uh they didn't have cells they didn't have um home-based laptops and home-based computers and yet you have this dude who fears so much about technology um was obsessed with doing magic i don't for whatever reason that was like his hobby on his spare time was he would like to perform magic um but he writes about a future with technology getting in our way and i think that, that it's kind of interesting even you know today we could make the argument with what's happening now but i i always tell the kids like look what's happening in in the hallways how kids are you know plugged into their headphones and they have no regard for the person next to them if they're taking up too much time walking if they're slowing down traffic if they stand in the middle of the hall and they're just obsessed with looking at their phones and they're, you know, they're, they're in the way they're, they're annoying. And in this novel, I, I point out to the kids, like, there's the fact that technology, you know, will do that. Like we're going to start to distance ourselves um, from, from caring about each other. And, and in this novel, you have that, you have um, everyone in society is super medicated. Um, they take, pills to go through the everyday nothingness of their lives um that kids trip out because i show them like the 1950s you know when he wrote i show them like a version of like a 1950s um television and just how bulky and and weird looking they are and yet in his novel he kind of like he basically gets a lot of inventions right like he gets like flat screens right he gets like touch screens headphones and and all the things that we have today um, it's it's a great novel. Um, it's about um, a character named Montag, 
Guy Montag is a fireman um, who actually, in the future, in this future, books have become illegal. And as soon as I say that to like kids, they're like, oh, that sounds like a great, that sounds like a great future where we're not allowed to read. So um, again, the, the premise of this is, uh, um, you know, knowledge is, is a dangerous thing. So in this society, they don't want people knowing things or they don't want people to think for themselves. And firemen have been tasked with this job of, of finding all known books and then basically burning them down. Um, I'm not going to reveal too much after that. It, it is my favorite um, novel. Uh, Ray Bradbury wrote a bunch of other um, short stories. And I think I wanted to try to do um, There Will Come Soft Rains. It's a really short story where basically there's no characters. It's like a futuristic house and the house takes care of itself. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a, no, it's not no. that long. It's a, it's a very short, short, uh, short story. But the interesting part about it is everything is like self, uh, automated in this house. And for whatever reason, people are, people are, um, they've vanished and we don't know why. I think that's like our time no? Yeah, that was like that was my that was my reminder telling me to take out the trash right now. I'm like, okay. oh, was it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. it was I just like I was like, like <laughs> I'm like giving a speech at the Oscars and then the music starts playing and it's like, uh, you got to stop talking now. I no, this is this, this this is our this was our longest episode too. I was like looking <laughs> right now. I was like looking at when I sent you the text about like, oh, this is the code. I'm like, we've been going for nearly an hour right now on this. I think maybe oh, once okay. we edit it down, it's like like probably like 50 minutes. But yeah, um, I was gonna say really quickly. Uh, I was. I'll, this is probably wrong, but Ray Bradbury. He was uh, most dangerous game too, right? Or am I completely no. that? I okay. I knew I was gonna. That was already a, a, a real time correction. Yes. Was, <laughs> for some reason, I thought I was do Ray love. I I always I always tell you, and I wanted to read that at the beginning. You guys wanted to do the Scarlet Ibis, and I'm like, let's do the most dangerous game. And um, the most dangerous game was written by. Um, Ian something, it, but like I, no, it's not. It's not Ray Bradbury. For some reason, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was him. Ian yeah, McCormick or something like that, uh, or uh, Richard Connell. Uh, Richard Connell. Connell. Okay, I was, I, no, I was nowhere near. I like well, like hey, at least you didn't like uh, give his creation to someone else. Like I was right. Well, I might have made no, up the oh, name. I don't know. Wait, no, Ray. Ba okay, this is gonna be really funny if I'm wrong on that. He was Sound of Thunder, wasn't he? I believe so. Okay, that's why. Because like I confused that Sound of Thunder with a most dangerous game. Yes. Okay. Because Sound of Thunder are they the same, is. Are they the same premise? They're both in. They're both in. They're like hunting something in like a jungle. Just one is in oh, the past, okay. and then one is in yeah, the yeah, yeah. in the now. So <laughs> one's hunting humans, one's hunting dinosaurs, and they cause a horrible uh, disaster to happen. Um, Ray Bradbury was a weird dude. Like he wrote about a lot of science fiction. Had we been in class right now, like there's this cool little snippet of like a short story that he wrote, but never, it never got published. But basically it had the idea, like what if your telephone, because again, he was so like scared, like he appreciated technology, but he was scared of it at the same time. He was scared of the, the idea of the story was what happens if your phone like started to develop its own consciousness like and that became like a movie too like they did a they did a comedy where um the dude's phone like wants him to be in a relationship with him i can't remember what it was oh called. her 
no, no, no. Well, there's that one because the the computer program, but then there's like a Siri version with the dude from Workaholics. That oh dude. yeah, it was like something like uh, Jexy or something like that. Jexy, there you go. Well, yeah. basically, Ray Bradbury wrote that kind of story like in the 1950s, where we were having all of our phones were still connected to landlines. So there's like this cool little like they kind of pieced together like a movie, like a makeshift movie um that follows that that idea but oh, okay I, I just love that he was so close to what we are now and it's in fahrenheit 451 he's warning us about you uh us allowing technology in our lives um and i think it's i think it's like a nice like self little reflection and, and i i kind of took a line from the, the end of the book like they they're gonna hold a mirror to society and and try to see if they can fix the things that they did wrong. But okay, well, as I really want to read it as the the, the talking kids. screen is telling telling the students right now to stay away from technology while right <laughs> while they're watching this on YouTube and listening to it and like well, yeah. it's what we have. It's what we have. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will go ahead and sign off. Uh, we will be back. Yeah, this was a good one. This was this was actually the most focused, and this was started out the, the least focused. It it really did. I just want to I want to give credit to me, okay? Because I I redirected that film, dude. We were about to start. <laughs> we were talking about Star Trek. We were gonna go off on a whole bunch of other movies, James Bond movies. I think the next, if we can just do like a movie one, like it has nothing to do with Nearpod. It has nothing to do with notes. Like, let's just talk about movies. Yeah, we can we can do a movie one. Uh, like, I I have movies that I uh, I'm I actually this and this is the final tangent, and we'll sign off because it's the longest episode. It's gonna oh. take a million years to upload on YouTube. Right. Uh, right. I downloaded an app that's like a no, random number generator, and I have because uh -huh. I have 895 movies that I bought on iTunes, and they're not they're not really yeah I, I bought a lot of stuff. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, I keep. I keep iTunes and Apple in business by buying all those movies. Yeah. Um, if you multiply that number by 20, I'll be very depressed because I'll think of how much money I spent on this. Holy. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, the, some of those movies are like $5. I didn't spend $20 on each one of them, guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, I bought, uh, or not bought, I downloaded a free number generator and I put like, right. uh, Minimum number to be one, maximum number to be 895. I click on it and it will, and I use that in a spreadsheet I created to decide like, oh, I'm gonna watch that movie today. So that's how I've been keeping busy. Uh, it's- Dude, I'm a nerd, I'm a nerd, but you're like on a whole, you're on a whole nother level. Yep, yep, yep. Like uh, you're like Jedi master, you're on the council of the Jedis, like, and I'm like a Padawan. So okay, let's just- okay. Yeah. Uh, On that, it was that, a pleasure today. Yes. We're signing off. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, till we see you guys again. All right.